Hi, everyone. I'm Ashley McManus, Senior Director of Global Marketing at SmartEye. Welcome to the Human-Centric AI Podcast, where each episode we feature thought leaders doing cutting-edge work in the AI space. A little about us, SmartEye is the global leader in human insight AI, technology that understands, supports, and predicts human behavior in complex environments, bridging the gap between humans and machines for a safe and sustainable future. Today's episode features a Q&A with our own Graham Page. Graham leads the Media Analytics Business Unit as Global Managing Director of Media Analytics at Affectiva, a SmartEye company. He pioneered the integration of biometric and behavioral measures to mainstream brand and advertising research for 26 years as Executive VP and Head of Global Research Solutions at Kantar. Over the course of the last year or so, there has been a thread of debate in the media regarding the validity and ethics of facial emotion recognition. This has often reflected the point of view of some data privacy groups who are concerned about the use of facial technologies across several use cases or the opinions of commercial interests who offer alternative biometric technologies or traditional research methodologies. Scrutiny of emerging technologies is vital, and the concerns raised are important ones for debate. Affectiva has led the development of the Emotion AI field for over a decade and the use of automated facial expression analysis in particular. So let's listen in to learn more. Okay. Hi, everyone. Thanks for tuning in. With me today, I have our own Grant Page, Global Managing Director, Media Analytics at Affectiva, a smart eye company. So thank you, Graham, once again, for making the time to speak with me today. Not at all. Always a pleasure. So to start, we have had you on the podcast before, but maybe you can give us a super brief intro of yourself and your role for those who haven't heard you speak on the podcast before. Sure. So uh, I've worked in, I guess, the uh, marketing, market research and marketing research technology industries for about 30 years. Uh, I did a lot of work um, uh, on research frameworks and research products, particularly in the, the kind of brand and advertising space. Um, and I've done a lot of work in the neuromarketing industry. So uh, a lot of work investigating the different merits of different um, kind of methods to measure people's responses beyond what they can say in surveys. So, you know, I've looked at EG, uh, uh, I've looked at kind of fMRI studies, looked at um, GSR, eye tracking, facial analysis, unsurprisingly. Uh, so I had a, had a lot of history in, um, uh, uh, in investigating what works and what doesn't work in terms of understanding how people respond to things. And then over the last few years, obviously, I've uh, come and worked for Effectiva, which is obviously a joy. Uh, and I, here I work uh, as uh, the uh, head of the media analytics practice. So uh, applying Affectiva's emotion AI technology to the marketing and market research space. Perfect. Yes. And I was just going to ask you, so for those who are unfamiliar with, with Affectiva, how would you best summarize our, our media analytics offerings? Sure. So uh, obviously Affectiva, now part of uh, SmartEye, uh, and it has, has had a long heritage over the last decade in building technologies that help understand uh, how people react, particularly um, based on their facial expressions. So our algorithm algorithms can um, uh, uh, help understand how people's faces are moving and what that might mean in terms of their reactions to any kind of experience based on on video obviously collected with uh, with their consent um, and so using that technology in the media space we do a lot of work with say entertainment businesses to help them understand audience reaction to entertainment content we do a lot an awful lot of work with the advertising industry to help um, you know some of the world's biggest advertisers 
you know, test their advertising before it goes to air so that they can make sure they're going to get a good return. And so they can understand really if it's hitting the mark among uh, their target audience in terms of the desired emotional reaction in particular. Uh, uh, but we also offer uh, the technology in qualitative research, so helping uh, researchers who work with focus groups and depth interviews understand a bit more about how uh, people are feeling about the topics that they're talking about, especially in online settings where perhaps the the same nonverbal cues that a, a qualitative researcher might have always been able to have when they were in the room, you know, when those things aren't aren't available. And finally, we also offer the, the technology as a, as a software development kit. So uh, businesses can also integrate uh, the uh, uh, facial sensing technology that we offer into their products and services within the media space. Okay, so I'm going to dive right into this. So recently, there has been a, a bit of a debate regarding the validity and ethics of facial emotion recognition. So can you talk through who is concerned, why they are concerned, and maybe why this scrutiny is perhaps not such a bad thing. Of course. Uh, and let, let's start with the last one. I mean, I, I think obviously any technology, particularly something that is, you know, new and, and disrupts a market, you know, any technology is always going to come under scrutiny. And I think that's entirely right. I mean, I think there are some, you know, to this day, you know, when I explain what, what we do, some people are still surprised that, you know, you can use, you know, just a webcam, for instance, to measure people's facial expressions and and, and code that automatically. So it's, you know, it, it's kind of a novel technology, even though, you know, we've been uh, you know, in the business for for a decade now, it's still novel to to many people. So it's understandable that people want to under, you know check out if it works and and you know may have some concerns about it. Um, however, I think some of the the debate recently has kind of gone beyond what I think is you know simple kind of healthy scrutiny into something which I think you know begins to distort some of the underlying science. And I think that's that's obviously where we get a bit concerned when when things are being misrepresented. So we're, we're seeing, I guess, kind of debate in two fields. One, um, you know, there is there are definitely some people within the marketing industry who, uh, you know, perhaps have a competitive product to offer, who are, uh, you know, making noise about the validity of facial coding. And, you know, to an extent, you know, that's healthy competition uh, and that's that's fine. But I think where we we perhaps, you know, draw the line a little bit is in, the, you know the, the interpretation of some of the science and then also uh, we're seeing some um, discussion of the technologies uh, or at least uh, I guess allied technologies uh, from regular regulatory bodies and uh, and kind of privacy groups who are perhaps understandably concerned about how a camera-based technology might be used um, you know beyond just the kind of the, the media space so it's it's probably you know discussion of slightly different topics coming from both those those parties but you know as we said always happy to to discuss what we do and and, and the validity thereof absolutely so there there seem to be criticism centered around three different areas so there's you know face face reading tech is an invasion of privacy it is inaccurate and potentially biased to different groups of people and inferring emotional states from facial expressions is not based on sound science so let's let's break this down so we'll start with the first one how would you address concerns around the use of this technology as an invasion of privacy no and and obviously look, this is such an important uh, topic and, and and I think we'd share all of those concerns around kind of camera technologies being used without people's consent to do things that they are that they're unaware of. Uh, I think you know when this gets raised, I think there is often a um, 
uh, a misunderstanding or perhaps a, you know a, an overgeneralization by uh, some of these bodies about the kind of technologies that we're deploying in particular so it's often the case that um, facial expression analysis is kind of confused with facial identification so for clarity you know the technologies that affectiva deploy it do not and in fact cannot uh, identify an individual from their face in fact as far as we're concerned someone's you know someone's identity the, the the unique arrangement of their features that make them recognizable as, as a specific individual that's actually noise that we have to ignore um you know our system is designed to understand you know is there a face in view in the in in the, the video and is that face showing a smile or is it showing a brow furrow or is it showing uh, a raised eyebrow um actually all the things that make someone's face differ you know one from another actually get in the way of that signal so our, our algorithms effectively are, are ignoring that so um you know when people are worried about you know identity and and well, or facial identification i don't think those concerns really apply to to what we do and there is a, a second and, and also a really important point which is um you know our contracts specify and our you know all our use cases with our our client our clients specify that um you know we won't work with any system or any use case where someone will be filmed without their consent so all the the, the processing of people's um facial expressions the, the the collection of facial video the you know where we're involved um does not happen without people's consent so no one's being filmed without knowing about it and everybody is typically being um you know providing video in the context of a research interview where they have explicitly said yes that's okay to record them so uh, again I, I i absolutely i think share many of the ethical concerns around um the use of kind of facial identification technology on crowds of people by law enforcement for instance but that's definitely not what we do uh, and in fact we're not actually able to identify anybody from the video that we collect. Great points. So, you know, next up is the the topic of bias. So I know we can't speak for, for other companies. Uh, I do know that Affectiva has spent years prioritizing mitigating bias of our algorithms. Can you speak to the, the lengths that we have gone uh, in order to address this? And, and again, I think, you know, questions around AI bias, uh, particularly against, uh, you know, typically underrepresented groups in society are absolutely valid concerns and uh, and actually things, again, that, that, that we would share. I mean, I think what what you've seen from some groups is, you know, uh, both the assertion that, you know, these kind of technologies are biased against certain people and actually that they, they don't work. Again, often that is misunderstanding i think a little bit the you know the kind of technology that somebody like you know, affectiva deploys again we're not deploying facial identification technology i think there are legitimate concerns about some of that tech uh, about its accuracy and and bias but um again that that's not really applicable here certainly from from our perspective the work that we do um we take a great deal of of care as you said to make sure that we are not developing algorithms that um favor one group over another and this is where you know kind of the, the vast amount of data that that we've processed does give us some advantages so you know we've uh, i think kind of processed over you know 14 uh, billion frames of video there is a, a a huge amount of um 
the data that we have available from 90 countries. So we can pull from that to train our algorithms um, uh, in a way that perhaps others um, you know, cannot. And it means that we can pull very diverse data, diverse in terms of culture and country, but diverse in terms of gender, diverse in terms of ethnicity, uh, diverse in terms of age. And that really allows us to then train the algorithms on this very representative data set of the world effectively. Um, and it also means that both, you know, that, that means both that the algorithms are perhaps um, uh, intrinsically more accurate, but it also means we can go and check that. We can go and look at the performance of the algorithms among different groups, and we don't release anything that doesn't perform pretty comparably across you know, age, gender, ethnicity, country, and so on. Absolutely. Then the third area, which is, which is a bit direct, uh, that inferring emotional states from facial expressions is not based on sound science, as expressions do not have a universal meaning or, or a one-to-one relationship with emotional states, and their meaning varies significantly by context. How would you address this claim? And I think that you know this is there's a lot to unpack in this one, so this may yeah. <laughs> we'll try try and break it down. I mean, yeah. I think that there's a bit of an implication that. You know, and, and again, a generalization from some really interesting work by people like Lisa Feldman Barrett that, you know, that she, you know, she's challenged some of the work of Paul Ekman, the, the facial action coding system that, uh, you know, a, a lot of these technologies are based on is, uh, you know, is, is itself founded upon. But to kind of generalize from that to say, hey, these technologies don't work, um, I, I think is going way too far and, 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 and doesn't stand up to scrutiny. So just just one one kind of immediate point is, you know, Affectiva and many of the users of technologies such as Affectiva, you know, have done the, the validation work to show that there are concrete relationships between, uh, you know, facial expressions uh, when people are exposed to content and then behavioral or, or sales outcomes. So, for instance, um, and Affectiva and, and Mars um, some years ago, you know, published validation work showing that, um, you know, the, the degree to which people showed positive expressions while they watched an ad was then linked to the sales effectiveness of that advertising. And that that makes sense, right? If, you know, if if you feel good about, you know, the content that you're, or advertising that you're watching, you're perhaps more favorably disposed to that ad or that ad's message or, or, or brand. So, it makes sense that this is that this happens, but it, it, you know the evidence is there. Likewise, Cantar, um, uh, one of our, our larger clients, uh, published their own independent study showing again that they could predict uh, the sales effectiveness of advertising based on again the expressions the expressiveness of viewers while they watch the ad. So if you, people you know were engaged enough to show a lot of facial expressions, that was a good sign for the the sales effectiveness of the ad, and. And also, you know, we've seen work done that, for instance, we would, that we did with um, a further client, Unruly, that showed we could predict um, the memorability of advertising, you know, some weeks after exposure, again, based on the, the extent to which they showed peaks in kind of emotional engagement as shown on the face while they watched the ads. So again, ads that made people feel stuff that showed and made them feel enough stuff to show it on the face you know, are, are more memorable, but also they're shown to have more, more sales effects. So again, I think it's hard to argue that, you know, this stuff just doesn't work, uh, you know, in the face of that kind of evidence, you know, you just wouldn't see those behavioral outcomes and that predictive power of the technology if the tech just didn't work. So I would take issue with the generalization that this is somehow, um, you know, kind of uh, not accurate, not valid. Um, uh, and, and somehow that the you know the the scientific community have walked away from this because 
also, um, you know, we we use very wide our technology is used very widely in academic settings. So, uh, you know, I'll 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 kind of unpack that a little bit more. Um, uh, you know, it, 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 in my next answer. Uh, I was hoping you could explain a little bit more about emotional states uh, and what their meaning really implies based on the context that they are in. How does this vary? And can you just explain a little bit more about what that is and what that entails? And, and this, I think, is kind of the most interesting part of the the discussion in some ways. So, again, um, some you know some people have concerns about the use of facial expression technologies because you know they're they're looking at work you know which which is really really interesting work by by Lisa Feldman Barrett where you know she challenged this idea that there are universal signals for specific emotional states and to just get get technical for a second you know she she specifically challenged um some of the work by paul ekman from the 70s which was you know pretty foundational in the in in the face um analysis uh, or you know the, the study of facial expressions in, in the academic community you know he'd found that there were you know six or seven um uh, facial expressions that seem to have universal meaning around the world she she her work was interesting in the or Lisa Feldman Barrett's work was interesting in that it it did also find that there were commonalities in you know people's interpretation of those expressions but her point was that there were also a lot of exceptions to those rules based on context and and that's kind of true right I mean I, I think that picture where you know there are some universals but there's also a strong impact in, influence of context is Correct. So, uh, you know, a smile will often mean joy and will often mean joy all around the world, but it might also mean embarrassment. You might smile because you're embarrassed rather than because you're happy. And likewise, you know, you may, you know, lower your eyebrows, uh, you know, because you're thinking about something, but you might also lower your eyebrows because you're confused or because you don't like what you're seeing. So there are certainly, there are definitely differences in the signal that you know, are often generated by context and which, you know, we need to be be aware of. However, again, I think there's there's been, you know, some overgeneralization of that science to to be then interpreted as, oh, well, facial expression analysis doesn't work. And that's that I think is, as we've already discussed, I don't think is is true. Just focusing on on Lisa Feldman Barrett's work, I think, then ignores a lot of other science that's out there that that reinforces the idea that there are universals in expression. Uh, so, in 2021, there was a really interesting paper um, uh, by uh, Cohen and Kaltner and others uh, that was published in in Nature, where you know they took a totally different approach and and found a huge amount of commonality in the facial expressions uh, that people show across the world in situations where you might expect them to be feeling similar things. So, for instance, they studied, I think they took something like six million YouTube videos, analysed the the facial expressions that people showed in those videos and found that, you know, where the context, where the social context was the same, people showed very similar expressions. So in, uh, for instance, at, at, at weddings where you might expect a lot of happiness, you saw, you know, the same expressions of joy being shown across, you know, hundreds and you know, uh, hundreds of countries. In, you know, uh, in martial arts videos, people showed the same signals of concentration in kind of unboxing videos people showed the same expressions of of awe and and you know and and you know and and when people were working out they were showing the same expressions of pain for instance so there was a huge amount of commonality across the video you know the what are really naturalistic videos rather than the the, the perhaps slightly more artificial settings that the ekman used so there's a lot of there you know 
it's fine to, I think, you know, kind of uh, ask some questions of some of the Ekman work, but there is a lot of other science that also says there is universality of expression um, and across the world. And we've also found that. I mean, we recently did a, a study just looking specifically at the millions of videos that we've got. And again, we found across the 90 countries that we work in, there was actually a very specific and clear common set of expressions that tended to be evoked by advertising. So even within the, you know, the the, the, the confines of how people respond to advertising rather than just, you know, kind of a in broader social context, we're seeing that there is a lot of commonality in expression. So this idea that you can't infer, you know, this idea that you can't infer expressions across cultures because the context is too different, I think doesn't itself hold up to, to, to scrutiny. Now that said, there's a, there is an important point, which is I think, you know, context clearly does have a role to play um in this but one of the things that's important about our system is that you know we we don't employ it ineffectively in a in a kind of a a blind sense so uh, in the certainly in the market research space for instance um when it comes to researching audience response to content or advertising you know our, te our technology is typically being used by an analyst it's being used by a human who's interpreting that alongside other signals uh, and in particular they know the context to which the person is responding so you know if if uh, if someone's just been told a joke and they and they smile there's a pretty strong chance that's a positive response if they've just been shown something really embarrassing and they smile that's much more likely to be an embarrassment you know an embarrassment response and the analyst knows it so the analyst understands the context in which the, the you know the data was elicited and can respond accordingly so you know i i do share some of the concerns that you know i could you know, a completely blind kind of a smile always means happiness uh, approach would be problematic, but that's not really the way the the, the technology is used. So, um, you know, I think there's a there is absolutely a valid debate here, but I think um, it is not true to conclude from you know, you know one research group's work that actually facial analysis is invalid and there's no useful signal there. Absolutely. So we, we've covered a lot of ground today. <laughs> so based on our conversation and your your work and your expertise in general, if you had one takeaway for, for the audience listening, what would you like to tell them? Sorry if this has been a long one. I know we, we, <laughs> we have covered a lot of ground. Um, I, I think um, a couple of things to take away. One is clearly there is no, you know, there is no magic bullet when it comes to understanding viewers' responses or consumer responses. So um, it, all technologies have their drawbacks. So, you, you know, it's absolutely true that not every single uh, emotional response that people have has a facial signal, for instance. So there are some things like I would say pride, for instance, is very hard to <laughs> to get from from the face. Yeah. Right. So if that's that's your target emotion that you want to evoke in people, you know, you're probably going to have to talk to them as well. So there's no you know, I, I certainly don't think we would ever suggest, you know, that facial technologies, emotion AI can be used in isolation to answer every every question. But it does, I think, have a, a, an important role to play in, in the research toolkit. And certainly when it comes to trying to measure people's reactions in the moment, measuring whether they're engaged, whether they're paying attention, whether they are uh, experiencing the kind of feelings that you would say a filmmaker or as an advertiser uh, or the designer of a, of a customer experience want them to feel i think there's very you know there's very little that can do that job and measure what's happening in the moment at the kind of scale 
that um, uh, Emotion AI can because, you know, it does just need a camera. Um, and as long as you've obtained consent, that means that it can be scaled, you know, across countries, you know, with lots of people in the research, whereas other technologies and, and, and you know, I've used all these other technologies, so I can comment directly, you know, other technologies that require you to apply uh, electrodes to the head or to other parts of the body, you know, you, that intrinsically becomes a barrier to scale. Um, and so, yeah, the, the, you know, a long takeaway, but I'd say, you know, emotion AI isn't the answer to everything, but it's certainly a very strong answer to measuring how people feel in the moment at scale. Absolutely. Also, uh, for our listeners, do you have anywhere they can go to learn more or do you have any other kind of call to action for them? Uh, yeah, I mean, of course, we, you know, would always be happy to to hear from anybody who wants to discuss this further. Um, there is more material on this um, uh, available on our website in particular. So there's several blogs, for instance, recent, for instance, recently that we we've written on this, and I'd I'd encourage people to uh, to go there. Uh, and again, we'll we'll continue to publish the validity of our work. Uh, so our you know our 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 accuracy rates, for instance, are published in, um, in in academic journals. So again, happy for people to go hunt those down and 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 look those up. So yeah, but plenty of stuff on on the website in particular. But happy to hear from anybody. That's great. And we're, I'll drop in a couple of things in our show notes. I know you wrote a, a great blog along with Rana recently on uh, face value, the power of facial signals in human behavioral research. So that's a great resource. And we actually did interview Lisa Feldman Barrett back in 2019 for the podcast. So I'm going to drop that link as well if people want to listen to right from her uh, what she had to say about this. Her and, Ma and Rana had a great discussion, so that'll be a great resource as well. Uh, so Graham, thank you. That was that was all I had for you today. Uh, thanks again for your time, and it was a pleasure speaking with you again as always. As ever, thanks uh, thanks for for asking the questions and uh, and listening to me go on. So it's always always a pleasure to talk about this stuff as you know. <music>